This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. All right, folks, please be seated. Great, great to have all of you here today. I, you know, great to have it. And again, want to say a big welcome to all of you, those of you who are joining us from the shore or from the mountains. We've got a great series ahead that I'm really looking forward to. It's on the concept of servant leadership. And, and you know, I want to set a little context for that. For a lot of people, um, it's easy to sort of oversell it and say, like, look, go out, be your dream, you know, think the biggest dream you can and then go for it. And, and that may be true in some cases, but a lot of us are really called into what would look like, look like ordinary lives. And even there, are there spots for leadership? Are there spots not only where we can take a leadership role, but where we can really learn to serve? Where we can really learn to serve. And I, I look at our world and I think, wow, we really need that. We really kind of need people can understand what servant leadership is all about and how we can work together and, and really try to create better and healthier communities and churches and families, maybe even a better world, out of that very simple approach called servant leadership. Now, where are we going to go with this service? Well, this is where we're going to talk about. We're going to talk today. Can we say the two words really loud? We're going to learn how. We need to learn how to learn how to. Leading afraid. Leading afraid. How are we going to do that? You know, we have fears in our lives. And how are we going to continue to lead with those fears in mind, but allowing God to stir in our heart those places where he wants us to step forward? Now, if you take a look at this next slide, this is it in a nutshell. Servant leadership. In a bigger picture, we need to learn how to lead afraid without being led by our fears, without being led by our fears. I, I really do believe that we all have fears, and, and the trick of it is learning how to carry them, not how to avoid them. I wish somebody could just sprinkle magic pixie dust on me and get rid of my fears. I am 51 years old. It's never worked. I'm still wildly afraid of a lot of things. But I think that maybe there's some ways that, that we can learn how to, even in spite of those fears, to learn how to carry them with us, knowing they're part of who we are oftentimes, but at the same time, allowing a bigger love to sort of draw us further. And what's important about this? I love these words by Sam Wells. I think this gets to the biggest picture of it. And what they believe, meaning people who are in churches, what they believe makes their story qualitatively different from almost any other stories that God has entered the story. The author has entered the narrative. That journey to faith isn't complete until it's matched by vocation. Vocation, vocal, calling, and commission. When the disciple, in other words, the student, supported by the church, realizes there's a part of me in that story. It's where a church can become sort of a, an incubator for servanthood. We really start to see ourselves as part of the story, and we're able to actually listen to that call. And it's, it's a challenging call, and I, I want to set up what the challenge of that call is. I think we're kind of torn between two things. I think we're kind of torn between two things. Now, I want you to hear this really loud. So this half of the room, you guys are going to say small loves. This half is going to say big loves. All right? Are we ready? We'll practice one time. This half? This half and say it big. Big love. All right. And I feel like we're always trying to balance our? With our? So you guys were really good. 
So, so, so small loves are like, there's those little things that we enjoy. I love lacrosse. I love football. Um, I love this. I love that. I love food. I could eat six meals a day. You know, I love, like, those are all my little loves, little things that I enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. They're good. And we live in a culture that we can spend a lot of time in our little loves. And I feel like what God asks is he says, okay, so, so spend time in that. Like, spend time in that. Enjoy that. But don't forget, I'm going to cue you guys over here in a minute. Don't forget at the same time, remind yourself again and again that there is such thing as big loves. There is such a thing as big loves. What's the love that's worthy of your life? Big question. (laughs) What's the love that's worthy of your life? What's the love that's worthy of your sacrifice? What's the love that, that as all those other things go, that can continue to pull you forward in life as a true north? I think that's a very important question. And the way you know what a big love is, is a big love is what are you willing to serve? What are you willing to serve? And not just serve it, like enjoy it. I mean, there is an enjoyment factor, but you're actually willing to sacrifice to do it. You're actually willing to sacrifice to do it. That's a challenge. And I feel like, like we, we, we live in an area where, where if you talk about big loves, for a lot of people, that language, it, it's hard to even get to that language. And I feel like maybe we need to recapture parts of that. We actually are having those conversations and calling people as a vocation and as a commission, as Wells was saying, a vocation and commission that can move into these big loves, that can understand them, sacrifice to them, and then help them to move forward. Knowing that as we move forward with that, it actually ties right back around into many small loves that we really enjoy. So that's the biggest of biggest pictures with Stuart Leadership. Now, how are we going to allow this to guide us? Well, I want to use a piece of new church theology here because there's, there's two ways we kind of can do it. We can kind of think it's all a head thing, or we can more and more with big love start to really feel what's in our hearts, deeply in our hearts. Take a look at this piece of new church theology. To the degree truth leads, what is good gets obscured. So the, the, the more and more we think it's all about just the facts, all about just the facts, we're going to miss, we're, we're going to less and less be able to see the love that's part of that. Yet, look at this, but to the degree that the good leads, in other words, our heart, truth becomes visible in its own light. So our heart begins to start to shine the way forward. We allow that big love to lead. And this is where I'm going, folks. We allow that big love to sort of boil up, come up like, get clear. This is something worthy of my life. This is a place where I can serve. And if I'm conserved, I may be able to actually be a servant leader in this area. I'm going to allow that to come forward. I'm going to allow it to pull out. And then in a way, I'll show this to you from the side. Like, here are all my fears, which we're going to be talking about in a minute. It can actually, that big love can actually pull me to the other side of my fears can actually pull me to the other side of my fears. When those go, and I don't think the fears ever fully go, I think maybe just the veil goes down a little bit, we're free. We're free. 
We are allowing a big love to lead. Is it success or failure? I don't know. We just ended a series on fail. You could look at that if you want to know more about what I think about that. But, but we start to understand what real freedom in our lives can look like, what it can be like. So I want to give you folks a chance to join this conversation. What I want to hear is I want to hear when I say the word leadership, like I need you to lead this or I need you to lead that, or maybe you want to think about leading this. I'm sure all of you in this room have thought about being a leader somewhere, be that in a, in a family, maybe you're a coach, maybe you're an assistant coach, maybe uh, you're a teacher, maybe you're somebody who just thinks you have a great idea and, and you're looking around, nobody's following yet. I want you to answer, and please, you're welcome to text this to me, an answer to this question. What are your main fears around leading? When I say leadership, what's the part of you that gets sweaty palms? And I guarantee no answer will shock me. You're looking at a very afraid leader a lot of the time. All right, folks. I'm going to go back and and glean through some of those answers. But I I think, you know, we, we all struggle with it. It's not hard to come up with. It's not hard to think about. Yeah, these are the things where I'm really afraid. I'm afraid I won't be liked. I'm afraid I'm not good enough. All those, all those pieces that are in our mind. So, so the question becomes, like, how are we going to move through that? And if you're an adult, it's important that, that, you know, I think that we model that. We model that for future generations. I think it's important that we take on that mantle of leadership. You know, learning to teach, learning to do that, learning to, to really invest ourselves in these big loves. Listen to what I said there, please. Learning to invest in these big loves through the prism of, of leadership, through the prism of stewardship, through the prism of servanthood. So when we can do that, there's a world that we start to create, there's a way that we start to teach. And I want to, when we come back, to talk about that and to really be clear about what these fears might be and how we can lead with those in tow. So what I want to do now is I want to talk about that. And you folks have great fears. It's good. Uh, Maintaining my greatest fear, maintaining the necessary balance. My fear is that I will end up leading others down the path to failure. Not being able to give attention needed to make it work. Getting others to see the same vision I have. Being open-minded, not being open-minded. Fears of not meeting expectations. Fear of failure and possibly somebody disagreeing with my belief. That others will not trust me. That people will hate you for it. Not educated enough or smart enough. Confrontation. I haven't learned how to disagree with people without backing down. People won't like me. Not good enough. Won't do it right. That's a great global one. Letting people down. Failure. Failing as their leader. Not being able to get through to the people. Starting something and not having energy to see it through. That I'll be found found out that I'm only an imposter. That is excellent. All imposters, please raise your hand. (laughs) Excellent. See, you're among friends. Um, Leading the wrong direction, failures, support, not being good enough. I'm afraid I'll make a mistake to lead people in the wrong direction. It'll be too big a job. This is really good. The mutiny I didn't see coming. That is excellent. Uh, I don't know how to lead. I don't have what it takes to lead. I'm reading all of these because I want you to see how feared up everybody is. Looking like a fool. Failure is my fear. Taking too long. Uh, you see, folks, that, do you, see, do you just hear those fears? Do you hear them? The trick is not to go like, and I think a lot of people maybe do a little bit of disservice and going like, oh, just don't fear. 
If I were to tell you right now, all those fears you just had, let them all go. Will that work, yes or no? No! I can tell you that. That won't work. I think what we need to do in this weird way is learn to actually lean into our fears, understanding they're part of who we are, and moving on despite of them, despite them. We just keep moving. Acknowledge and move on. We acknowledge and we move on. I love what, what one person said, and this is kind of giving you the broad context. They said very honestly, like, I'm worried people won't like you. Here's the trick to leadership. Oftentimes, guess what? <laughs> people won't like you. I mean, and I'd love to be able to say, don't worry about it. Everybody's going to like it. Not true. Not true. So how do we do that? Well, and the beautiful part is that, that the Bible, like, like the Bible offers us great stories on that. Now, be, before as we get into this, I, I want to, you know, give you a little background here in terms of new church, new church and how we read the Bible. The way we read the Bible, because I know we have a lot of first-time people here today, we read the Bible poetically. We don't read it as a history book, like this happened exactly this way, and then this happened exactly this way, and then this happened exactly this way. We look at it and we go, yeah, there's a historical arc to it, but that it's really a poem. So there's something deeper there. There's a deeper message for us that can actually help us to deal with things like fear, anxiety, worry, concern. How do we get to be a better person? You know, all those things are addressed kind of in this very poetic way. So I want to tell you a story and I want you to hear it poetically. Now, before I tell you the story, I want to show you a little map here. So you start up here on the far left, right? And this is a story that goes back, you know, four or 5,000 years. A lot of you may not be aware of this story, so just give you a little color commentary on it. Uh, the, over, way over, that's Egypt over there. Egypt, way back in the day, had, had taken over what was, what was ancient Israel, had taken the Jewish population and enslaved them, which was really common. I'm an old history teacher. It's really common to do. Had enslaved them over there on the top left. Eventually then, God is in the, in the Christian and Jewish story, God leads them out of that land, the land of bondage, which is Egypt. He takes them down, and do you see that number one? See that, and everybody say yes. Yes, you see the number one? They, they wander down, and then they're, they're booking up. And the part up here, see where it says Jerusalem up there? The part where it says Jerusalem, that's called the promised land. Could we all say the promised land? The promised land. That's the promised land. So you even hear that today, or if you live up in the Poconos, promised land, you know all that. So, uh, you know, so, so they come down here, number one. Right at the end of number one, they get the Ten Commandments. So God says, here, you need some directions for the journey. I'm going to make it really simple because you're human beings. I'm going to narrow it down to ten. Here's your ten. So then they, they, they continue moving north to where the orange is, number two. And then at number two, it's like, okay, now it's time to, like, see what this land is like. So they sort of encamp there at the end of Orange, right where the little red dot is. And then a group of 12 people, 12 spies, get said, hey, you guys go check this land out. Yep, God has said it's the promised land. Yep, God has said we're, he's going to be with us, but we need to send spies ahead to make sure it's okay. Um, yeah, the, the, maybe this won't make any sense. It's, it's kind of like, you know, we, we get to the point, but then we really need our friend to go in the room first you know, or to go to that cocktail party and then call me if it's any good. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of that thing. Like, how do we just let someone go and check it out first? And then you come back and you tell us what the land is like. So that's what they do. They go to number two and then they wrap back around 
And we're going to hear their report. They come back around and the 12 of them offer a little report here to the people. So, so Moses, who was the leader of all this, has gathered all the people, this big area. And, and these, these 12 spies are saying, this is what we saw. Now, here's the text of what they saw. So go to the next slide, please. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. I'm going to quiz you guys. What land was it? It was the promised land. Well, they, they, they looked at the promised land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the the fruit of the land. So, so they come back, they've got all this fruit. Like, look, there's all this great stuff. And then it goes on. And they all told them, this is all 12. We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And that's like, this is good. I realize milk and honey may not impress you, but it impressed them. You know, milk and honey, it's just like, it's like streets paved with gold. It's just, it has everything you could imagine. And this is its fruit. Then it goes on. However... Uh oh. However, your text message is coming in here. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And you won't be able to pronounce these words, so I'm not even going to ask you to. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and, and along the Jordan. So it's just listing. Well, there's this really bad person, this really bad person, this, and these are tribes. Bad tribe, bad tribe, bad tribe. We had six bad tribes. Six reasons why we can't go in. Six. I'm telling you, there's six. Now, what's interesting, this is what ten of them are saying. Two of them are going to say something different. Ten of them are going six. And then it goes on. To the next slide. There we go. But Caleb, who was one of the two who was very calm about it, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up and occupy it. Let's go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Like a very different story, right? Then the man who had gone up with him said, and these are the ten, please say the n-word there, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Wow, this is really different. So they brought, the ten, brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. Now what land was this, folks? This was the promised land. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, who cares how much God says it? Like, it's a bad report. There's always things to be afraid of. Saying the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that, say the D word there, that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are great heights. In other words, giants. And there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. That's, that's beautiful. We were bugs. They're saying, we're nothing but bugs up there. Squashed bugs, that's it. Forget milk and honey, we were bugs. It's, it's a brilliant piece, because I, I think, folks, it's, it's so much what we, what we do. And, and just even look at that. Like, the way that they go through that, they, they list sex, and then they come back, and then they sort of have the ace in the hole fear. All of us have an ace in the hole fear. We have something that we're so afraid of, and we save it to the very end, and then we go like, yeah, but buddy, look at this fear. Probably for a lot of us, it's I'm not good enough. 
probably for a lot of us, that's the ace in the whole field. We, we list all the other fears. What's underneath it is this, is this commitment to that I'm actually not good enough to do this. And it's interesting, right? How do we do this? How do we do this? Now, now I want to leave you folks with a, with a, not leave you with, but I want to really create a very strong visual impression. And I think a lot of you will see how your own mind works. Now, what I need is I need 12 very brave volunteers. And the 12 volunteers, I want you to line up here, all right, right across the front. I'm going to give you little cue cards, and then you're going to say things. Now, it's simple what you're going to say. You're only going to, only going to say one word, so it's not complicated. It's not like I'm going to have you recite the Gettysburg Address or anything like that. But I want 12 of you to just stand up here, because I want to show you kind of how this looks. So if 12 people could come forward, and if we all could give those 12 people a warm round of applause as I come off the stage. There we go. We got our 12? Let's see. I can't. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. We need a. Oh, there we go. Give him a special round of applause. Rich. Boom. It was his birthday a few weeks ago. So, what you're going to do is you're going to hold these just like this, but don't share them yet. All right? Don't share them yet. All right. Now we got that. Now, excuse me. I got to get, get the crib sheets here for the good ones. All right. Now, you folks take two steps that way. There we go. All right. Now, hopefully, these are all in order, and I didn't shuffle them, and my kids didn't shuffle them. So what we're going to do, you know how, like, they do the wave? We're sort of going to do something like the wave here. But they're going to they're gonna flash something up to you. They're going to read it, and then they're going to turn it around. Hopefully it all works. If it doesn't, blame it on Allie. She's in charge of sermon writing team. So she's the one you can actually. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. All right. So we're going to go down this quickly. So what you're going to do is you're just going to read it. I'm going to have the microphone. You're going to read it, and then you're going to flip it around. Okay? Notice we have those of you who are math majors. We have how many on the left? Ten. We have how many on the right? Two. All right. Ready? You ready? Way. Two. Scary. Say it really scary. Scary. Excellent. Excellent. Let's go. Back. <laughs> we will never win. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Hold that up because you're a Phillies fan. Good. You know, like, like, look at that, folks. Like, how many of us can totally identify with that? Raise your hand if you, you totally identify with this. All of you identify with this, right? Like, that's us. I can't wait to put that on Facebook. That is, that is just great. Like, that's what we do all the time. That's our brain. That's our stinking thinking. That's what we do. And then there's also this other little part who constantly is going, let's roll. Let's roll. Give him a round of applause. Isn't that just really interesting? I, if I had a camera phone, I would take a picture of that hint, 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 and send it to someone who needs it. Um, you know, because that's what we do. I, I think that we do that. Can we have the next slide up there? 
because it's, it's, it's so much human nature, so much how we hold it. Can we throw the next slide up? Uh, so much how we hold it where we have these ten parts, and then we have these two. We have this part of us that really is, gets all feared up, all worried, all concerned, and then we have this other part that really believes we can actually make it work somehow. Interesting the way those two go. Great. I'll allow you guys to take those home. All right? Lucky you. Give them a round of applause, please, folks. I think that's very much human nature. Now, take a look at this slide here. The fears. And think of 10 people, like 10 parts in your head. Of 10 people kept an entire generation out of the, please say those words, what land? The, kept them out of the promised land for a generation. They had to wander for 40 years. 40 years they had to wander. And ready? Here's the kicker. And that is normal. That's normal. I don't want you going out of here feeling guilty like, I am so feared up, I can't do anything. I'm a failure. We all have those fears. Those fears not only might keep you out of the promised land, they do keep you out of the promised land. They are currently keeping you out of the promised land. They're keeping me out too. And I feel like God is not telling us this as a way to say like, oh, this is bad and wrong and and you should carry a lot of shame around this. No, I think he's just going like, yeah, this is how it goes, brother. This is how it goes, sister. And it may take you 40 years to come around, but guess what? It's in the book. If it's in the book, it belongs. If it's in the book, it's part of your story. If it's part of your story, it's what you will do. So we learn to just accept those fears, just to to understand them and just to hold like, yeah, that's that's just the way it is. So I have to learn to bring my fears with me. Now, I want to tell you, you know, what I think this is really all about. Like, what's the big picture here? I think we learn, please say the A word there. I think we learn to lead. We learn to lead afraid. We learn to lead afraid. And we also, we learn to let, please say those two words. We learn to let big love lead. If I can get to the point, folks, where I allow big love to really lead, Allow big love to do its thing. And that means you have to think about it. Can I go on a soapbox here for 30 seconds? One person said, sure, I don't believe you. Yes, thank you. So, so we, live, we live in a world where, where, my goodness, I can indulge my small loves 24-7, 365. I can indulge them. It's why the, the biggest danger to, to religion in this day and age, I think, is satiation. Because we can get so consumed about serving our small loves, we forget there even is such a thing as a big love. That there even is such a thing worthy of our lives. That there even is such a thing worthy of sacrifice. We can forget it because we can live over here and be totally content and happy. Can I say a word? And shallow. And shallow. And the part of me that, that just loves the small loves, it's a great part. You would want to hang out with that part. But it's not big into having big conversations. It's not big into asking you, how's with the, how is it with your soul today? 
It can't cry with you. It can't inspire you. It doesn't have time for God. It doesn't have time for, you know, service. All it has time for is pleasure and entertainment. That's it. And of course, that part gets very feared up. You know, anytime the conversation is about big loves, because then it somehow feels like those loves will be impinged on. And, and I want to be clear, folks. It's not that the small loves are bad. They're good in their place. They're good in their place. And a matter of fact, they're at their very best. Listen carefully to this. They're at their very best when they're woven together with your big loves. Family vacation. <laughs> Prime example. Where the big loves and the small loves, those things you're willing to sacrifice for and those small enjoyments of life where they come together, that's beautiful. That's beautiful stuff. Because, folks, with these big loves, I want to come back and I want to say again, all those fears that we have, like, remember it listed, it listed fears. I'm going to quiz you here. How many fears, how many bad guys did they say? What number did they say? Six, and then they added one more, so then it was a total of seven. They journeyed 40 years, right? Please listen carefully to this, especially the young adults in here. They journeyed those 40 years. Those seven giants did not go away. I think a lot of the time I believe like, well, you know what? That's too scary to go to. I'm just going to wait until all those giants go away. Hopefully you get this answer right. Do those giants ever go away, yes or no? No. Mm -mm. They're still there. You come back to the promised land 40 years later, they're still there. But what we've done is now we've done the work where we can start to give more and more weight to what Dan and Bob said over here. Those two words, those two words, which were? Let's roll. Let's roll. Let's go. Let's just get, let's get this done. Let's move forward into the promised land. I love the way it gets stead, said by the author of story people here. I think this is Christ would chuckle at this. Uh, I want followers who are leaders. I think that's so much the Christian message. Followers who are leaders when it comes to doing work, he said. And you think of Christ saying that. I want followers who are leaders when it comes to doing work, he said. And I said, that's a good trick. And he smiled and said, actually, it's a miracle. And that's what makes this religion stuff so entertaining. I like that. I like that. It reminds me that it, that it is entertaining. What we're trying to do is something that does shift things. But when we can allow those big loves to lead and pull us through, there, there's miracles that happen on the other end of it. I see them all the time. This is another Facebook post. This was from a group that served uh, last week. Uh, Angela writes, what a gift to serve alongside these friends. 357 served was the count tonight. And it struck And what struck me was how anyone could see themselves in the beautiful faces at dinner. All ages, all races, all stories. At one point, I must have had a serious look on my face. An older gentleman said, hey, you, smile. It's not that hard. And then I smiled. He said, there you go. You have too beautiful a smile to hide. Look at this last line. It's true. The servant who receives the, it is truly the servant who receives the gifts in those situations. Really touched my heart. 
And folks, like some of the service, some of servant leadership's going to look like that. Some of it's going to look like serving on the board of directors. Some of it's going to look like being a, being a, a greeter here at church. Some of it's going to look like leading some of our wonderful, wonderful small groups like Course in Miracles, Peace of Mind. Some of it's going to look very plain. It's going to look like it, what you do in your family, when you, where you see yourself as a servant in your families or with those you love. It's not always big, extraordinary things. Oftentimes, it's the small, quiet things that we can bring that to. But ready? We can bring it. Get that? We can bring it. We are free to bring it. We are free to bring our big loves to bear on the world as best we can as servants, following God as God gives us to see it. Could I get an amen, please? Amen. We're free. We can do it. We can do that. And then what's the experience like? Well, I want to close today with a video before I do the prayer that just shows you the beauty that's on the other side of servant leadership. Take a look at this video. It's, it's a beautiful video because, I, you know, I feel that they're, they're trying to, like, remind us of important things, important truths there. Important truths about servant leadership, important truths about going through our lives, oftentimes very ordinary lives, and thinking, how can I serve here? What does it look like to say the simple, let's roll here? To do what I can do here and now. Servant leadership, folks, it's, it's, it's nothing easy to do. And I, and I know, you know, speaking personally for me, I'm oftentimes terrified out of my mind. You know, I listen to these 10 all the time. But I know where my heart is. Listen carefully. I know where my heart is. I know what I know. I know God is good. God's got the journey. I know, I know God gives us these loves and he asks us to move them forward. So think about that this week. Have the conversation. If you made a car trip here, talk about it. What are your big loves? How can servanthood show up there? What can it look like? What steps can you take? And I also warmly invite you next week as we take the next step in this series in servant leadership. Great to have all you folks here today. So I'm now going to offer a closing prayer. You will have the opportunity after I say a prayer to say your own prayer the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or to have a moment of quiet meditation. So please join me. Lord, ripples. Thinking about the ripples that we can leave out there into the world as we embrace servant leadership. Ripples, Lord, that make a difference out there into this world. Ripples, Lord, that somehow will push us beyond our fears. Fears that we're not good enough. Fears that we're not liked. Fears that who are we to say. Fears of letting others down. Fears of expectation. All those many, many fears that we carry with us. And Lord, be gentle and smile. Knowing that as we try, we will continue to carry those fears. And despite that carrying, allow us to take that step, whatever that next step is for us. That next step, Lord, that leads us closer and closer to that big love. Closer and closer to that love that is worthy of our lives. 
closer and closer to that love that's willing to sacrifice, that's willing to give, that, that, that's willing, Lord, to, to embrace us and that we are willing to embrace it, the big love. And as always, thank you. From the bottom of my soul, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence here in these amazing people. Thank you for the presence in our lives. Thank you for the stirrings we all feel of the big loves that you've gifted us. Allow those, Lord, to light the way. Allow those, Lord, to cause ripples, ripples out there into the universe. In your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 